part three chapters seventeen eighteen and nineteen of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain seventeen old friends over this letter bessie had a good cry with her face on gray's shoulder and gray's arms around her and when he asked why she cried she said she did not know only the world seemed a very dreary world with no one perfectly happy in it except themselves but bessie's tears in those days were like april showers and she was soon as joyous and gay as ever and entered heart and soul into the improvements and repairs which were to make stoneleigh habitable for the honourable john who greatly to their astonishment came suddenly upon them one day when they were ankle-deep in brick and mortar and lath and plaster and all the other paraphernalia attendant upon repairing an old house neil was away so much he said and he was so lonely in his lodgings with no one to speak to but his landlady that he had decided to come to stoneleigh though he did not mean to make the least trouble or be at all in the way but a fine gentleman unaccustomed to wait upon himself is always in the way and even bessie's patience was taxed to its utmost during the weeks which followed fortunately for her gray knew what was needed better than she did herself for while she would have torn down one day what had been done the day before he moved more cautiously and judiciously so that the work really progressed rapidly and some time in march john macpherson took possession of the two rooms which had been expressly designed for him and which as they were fitted up and furnished with a reference to comfort rather than elegance were exceedingly homelike and pleasant and suited the london gentleman perfectly here i shall live and die blessing you with my last breath he said to bessie as he moved into his new quarters and seated himself in an armchair by a window which overlooked the park and the monet bridge not far away he was very fond of bessie whom he always called dear child and once when she stood by him he put his arm about her and kissing her fondly said i wish you could have been my daughter it would have been the making of neil no no oh no i couldn't for there is gray whom i love a great deal the best bessie answered hurriedly as she drew herself from him half feeling as if a wrong had been done her husband by even a hint that she could ever have been the wife of another some time in april the Geralds went to london and met neil at the grand hotel where he was staying a few days before leaving for india owing to gray's tact the interview was tolerably free from embarrassment though in neil's heart there was a wild tumult of conflicting emotions as he stood with bessie again face to face and heard her well-remembered voice how lovely she was in her young happy wifehood with the tired careworn look gone from her sweet face where only the light of perfect joy and peace was shining gray who without being in the least a prig was something of a connoisseur in the details of dress had delighted to adorn his bride with everything which could enhance her beauty and bessie wore her plumage well and there was a most striking contrast between the girl of fifteen who in her washed linen gown and faded ribbons had once stood up in the park waving her handkerchief to neil and the young matron of twenty who clad in faultless dinner-dress with diamonds in her ears and on her fingers went forward to meet her cousin and neil recognized the difference and felt himself growing both hot and cold by turns as he took the hand extended to him and looked down upon the little lady whom but for her bright face and clear innocent blue eyes he would scarcely have known so complete was the transformation for a moment neil felt as if he preferred the old linen with its puffed sleeves and antiquated appearance to the shimmer of the fawn-coloured satin with its facings of delicate blue and the flush of the solitaires 
but as he watched her moving about the elegant rooms and discharging her duties as hostess just as kindly and thoughtfully as she had done at stoneleigh where the china was cracked and the silver was old he said to himself that the transformation was such as it should be and that satins and diamonds though out of place on little bessie macpherson of stoneleigh were fitting adornments for mrs gray gerald of boston he had called her bessie as of old and the repeating the dear name to her and seeing the quick responsive smile and questioning glance he knew so well nearly unmanned him and raised within him such a tempest of love and remorse and regret for what he had lost that it required all his fortitude and will not to break down entirely and to seem natural and at ease during the dinner to which gray had invited him and which was served in the private parlour half an hour or more after dinner a servant brought in a card with jack trevelyan's name upon it and in a moment jack was with them shaking hands cordially with both gray and bessie and appearing as much at his ease as he did in the park when he first saw the latter and told her who the people were while she a shy country girl looked on wonderingly and made her quaint remarks she did not look like a country girl now and jack's eyes followed her admiringly as she moved about the room with a faint flush on her cheeks and a very little shyness perceptible in her manner once when standing near her he put a hand on either shoulder and looking down into her face said to her do you know mrs gerald how nearly my heart was broken when i thought you were dead and that for months the brightness of my life seemed blotted out but it is all right now and i am glad for you that you are gray gerald's wife you will be very happy with him yes yes very happy bessie answered and then scarcely knowing why she did so she asked him abruptly for flossie and where she was at trevelyan castle jack replied taking his hands from her shoulders and stepping back from her she is there with her grandmother a cantankerous old woman who leads flossie a sorry life or would if she were not so light-hearted the trouble slips from her easily no one could be happy with mrs meredith bessie said she is so cross and unreasonable and i pity poor flossie who is made for sunshine i wish she would go to america with us i should be so glad to have her and i mean to write and ask her do you think she would like to go yes no i don't know jack answered thoughtfully while it seemed to bessie that a shadow passed over his face and he sat for a few moments in a brown study as if revolving something in his mind then rousing up he said he must leave them as he was due at a party at the west end and it was time he was making his toilet i shall be very glad to see you at trevelyan castle he said to gray and if you will come i will treat mistress bessie to the biggest fox hunt she ever saw i have no end of hounds and horses and flossie's an admirable horsewoman why she can take the highest fence and clear the widest ditch in the county come and see her do it good-bye the next day bessie wrote to flossie urging her to go with her to her new home and saying that she knew she would like america and be very happy there a week later neil started for india he said good-bye at the hotel to his father who had come from wales to see him but gray and bessie went with him to southampton where he was to embark it was hard for neil to seem cheerful and natural but he succeeded very well until the last when he said good-bye to bessie then he broke down entirely and taking her in his arms cried over her as a mother cries over the child she is losing you have always been my good angel bessie he said and if ever i make anything of myself it would all be owing to you good-bye and may god bless you and make you the happiest woman in the world as you deserve to be i may never see you again and i may 
if i succeed and really think i am a man and not a sneak as you have always known me i shall come to you some time and show you that there was something in neil macpherson besides selfishness and conceit good-bye releasing her he turned to gray who during this little scene had considerately turned his back upon them and stood looking from the window as unconcernedly as if no tall handsome cousin were kissing his wife and crying over her he had perfect faith in bessie and he pitied neil and when the latter offered him his hand he took it and pressing it warmly said good-bye and god bless you as long as i live you will have a friend in me i think you will succeed in india but if you fail try america you are sure to succeed there if you only have the will and i can help you some perhaps good-bye neil made no answer except to wring gray's hand and then he passed out from the old life to the new with a pretty equal chance for failure or success this was in april and in the latter part of may the gerald sailed for america but before they did so bessie received a letter from flossie who was at her grandmother's home near portrush in ireland and who wrote as follows dear bessie i ought to have written you long ago and thanked you for your kind invitation to go with you to your american home i should have liked it of all things in the world for to see america and know what it is like has been the dream of my life you knew it is the paradise of my countrymen the land into which pat and bridget entered when johnny bull came out for various reasons however i must decline your invitation and i am going to tell you all about it but the beginning and the end lie so far apart that i must go way back to the time when owing to some mistake jack trevelyan thought you died in rome and because he thought so he made a hermit of himself and wandered off into the tyrol and the bavarian alps where nobody spoke english and where all he knew of the civilized world was what he gleaned from german papers nobody could communicate with him for when he wrote to his steward as he did sometimes he never said where a letter could reach him or where he was going next at last however he concluded to go home and got as far as paris where grandma and i happened to be staying this was last august and i was in the rue de rivoli one day near place vendome when who should turn from a side street a few rods in advance of me but jack himself looking very rough and queer with a long beard and a shocking hat he did not see me and was walking so fast that i had to run to overtake him and even then i might not have captured him if i had not taken the handle of my umbrella and hooked it into his collar behind this brought him to a standstill and nearly threw him down you ought to have seen the expression of his face when he turned to see who was garroting him in broad daylight for he thought it was that flossie he exclaimed what are you about and what is this you have hitched to me you see the umbrella was still hooked to his coat collar and flopping itself open if you stand still i will show you what it is i said laughing till i cried at the comical appearance he presented with the passers-by looking on wonderingly i do not think he liked it very well no one likes to be made ridiculous but we were soon walking together very amicably and he was telling me where he had been and that he was now on his way to trevelyan castle i have not seen you flossie he said and i wish you could have heard how sadly and low he spoke i have not seen you since bessie died in rome you were with her i believe bessie died in rome i exclaimed what do you mean bessie did not die in rome she is not dead at all she has gone to america in the same ship with gray gerald he stopped more suddenly than he did when i hooked him with the umbrella and turning toward me asked me if i was telling him the truth then we walked on as far as the champs d'elysees where we sat down and i told him everything which had happened at rome and after we left there as far as i knew but i doubt if he heard half of what i was saying 
the only point he did seem to understand was that you were not dead and that you had gone to america in the same ship with mr gerald it was neil who had told me that and to him i referred jack for any further information concerning you but i do not think he stopped to get it for he went straight to london to trevelyan castle where his presence was needed and then after a time he invited grandma and me to visit there because he was lonely without any ladies in the house and we went and i was perfectly happy for you know it was once my home and it is going to be but wait till i tell you how jack is changed and how he used to go away by himself and stay for hours alone and come back with such a tired look on his face and ask me to tell him again of mr gerald's kindness to you in rome grandma said he was in love with you and i think so too but wait till i tell you how he came home from london after seeing you there as mrs gerald and how he raved about your beauty and grace and elegance and the lovely dress you wore the night he called blue he said he believed it was and he wanted me to have one like it as if what became your lilies and roses would suit my black face and turned-up irish nose but men know nothing of colour or anything else at least jack does not as you will see when i tell you if i ever come to that well it was like this you were married to mr gerald and now i'm going to tell you how your letter came and jack brought it to me and stood staring at me while i read it and then he said she asked you to go to america yes i answered without looking up and he continued are you going i'd like to i said i would rather go to america than to any other place in all the world rather than stay here with me he asked something in his voice made me look up and then and then i do not believe i can tell you except that i suddenly found out that i had been caring a great deal for sir jack trevelyan yes a great deal while he well i may as well tell you for sir jack is not the man to say he loves a girl if he does not and he told me he loved me and wanted me for his wife and i well i just covered up my face so he could not see it and cried with all my might i was so happy and glad i know what transpired at stoneleigh and that i am not his first choice but i am satisfied how could he help loving you i am sure i could not if i were a man and so we are to be married in june here in grandma's house where she brought me the minute she heard of the engagement it is highly improper for you to stay at trevelyan castle a day under the circumstances she said as if sir jack as my promised husband had been suddenly transformed into a monster who would work me harm i wish you could come to the wedding and so does jack he is here and has been for a week and when i finish this letter we are going out to sit upon the rocks and see the tide come in and the moon rise and shall naturally sentimentalize a little and he will tell me how much he loves me and call me his irish lassie he has done that a hundred times but when he gets too spoony and demonstrative i ask him if he loves me better than he did you and that quiets him for like your president or king george somebody or other he cannot tell a lie and says not better perhaps but differently just as you are different from her she is fair you know and you are dark and so i infer that his love for you was white and his love for me black ah bien je suis contente and now i must close for jack has come in hat in hand and bids me hurry as there is the funniest specimen of an american down on the rocks that he ever saw her name is mrs rossiter brown and her daughter married an irish lord who lives near dublin i have met so few americans that i must really see this one jack says it is better than a play to hear her talk so good-bye from your loving flossy p s 
i have seen mrs rossiter brown who knows you and gray and all his relations back to the flood is she a fair specimen of americans but of course not even i know better than that mr gerald is not at all like her neither i fancy are his people mrs brown has recently arrived and is to spend the summer with her daughter lady hardy who is not with her she talks so funny and her slang is so original and her grammar so droll that i find her charming and if many of the americans are like her you are to be congratulated as you can never lack variety once more good-bye florence meredith eighteen home again great were the rejoicings both in boston and allington over the return of the travellers and great the surprise of all when it was known that bessie had come back an heiress to no mean fortune but just who the great-uncle was from whom her money had come to her none except gray's father and mr sanford ever knew and if they had few would have remembered the peddler of more than forty years ago whose disappearance had caused no remark and awakened no suspicion could bessie have had her way she would have told the story fearlessly and moved the bones of her kinsman to another resting-place but gray and mr sandford overruled her both for hannah's sake and for the sake of gray's father who could not have borne the talk it would have created mr gerald had never been the same since that night when he heard his father's confession and he was fast growing into a morbid misanthropic man whom his wife not without reason feared one day be crazy every year he shrank more and more from meeting his fellow-men and at last he abandoned business altogether and remained mostly at home in a room which he called his office and where he saw only those he was obliged to see the money lying in his bank in hannah's name but which he knew was intended for some one else and the shares in the mines and quarries of wales troubled him greatly for somewhere in the world there were people to whom they belonged and he sometimes felt that if he and his sister were guiltless of their father's crime they were at least thieves and robbers because of the silence upon which he himself had insisted more than once recently he had resolved to tell gray and let him decide the matter and it was upon this very thing he was brooding on the morning when his son was announced gray had reached allington the previous day and found his mother there waiting to receive him i wanted your father to come with me but he would not he dislikes allington worse than i do and mopes all day in his room just as his father did i wonder if there is any insanity in the family she said to gray who answered cheerily not a bit of it mother and if there is bessie's advent among us will exorcise the demon i am going to boston to-morrow to see father and shall bring him back with me a different man entirely he found his father in his room moping as his mother had said and was struck with the change in him even during the few months he had been away he stooped more than ever and there was in his whole appearance an air of weakness and brokenness of spirit pitiable to see in a man who had once been so proud and strong gray my boy how are you i am glad to see you very glad he said as his son entered the room and when gray sat down by him and taking his thin white hand pressed it gently and said poor father you are not well are you he did a most astonishing thing he laid his head on his son's arm and sobbed aloud no gray i am sick in mind not in body and i have been sick these how old are you gray twenty-six my next birthday gray replied and he continued yes you were fourteen when your grandfather died twelve years ago and for twelve years i have been sick very sick oh gray if i dared to tell you and ask you what to do you need not tell me gray said to him 
i know what you mean and have known it ever since grandpa died for i was there that night unknown to you or any one was in the kitchen by the stove and heard what grandpa told you don't you remember how sick i was after it well that was what ailed me aunt hannah knows i told her and together we have tried to find his heirs and father we have found them or her for there is but one direct heir of his sister elizabeth and that and that is bessie my wife oh father look up bear up you must not faint gray continued in alarm as he felt his father press heavily against him and saw the ghastly pallor on his face bessie your wife the heir and does she know what we do mr gerald gasped and gray replied yes everything and knew it before i married her listen and i will tell you all ringing the bell gray bade the servant who appeared bring a glass of wine which he made his father swallow and then supporting him with his arm he told him everything from the night when he had knelt upon the snow in the woods and asked to be forgiven for his grandfather's sin down to the present time and you knew it all these years when i was trying to hide it from you mr gerald said and you have worked while i have only sat still and brooded and you have found the air in bessie are you sure it is bessie oh gray god bless you my boy you do not know what a load of care you have taken from me or though my father's sin is none the less it does not hurt me as much and i feel as if i could forgive him all i do not believe he was so much in fault the peddler struck him first you know i must see hannah and hear the story again what time do you return to allington gray told him and he continued i shall go with you first to see hannah and then to grace park in the evening poor hannah she has had such a lonely life three hours later and mr gerald was driven to the house in the pasture-land in the phaeton which lucy had sent to the station to meet gray who walked to grace park where bessie greeted him as rapturously as if weeks instead of hours had passed since she saw him mr gerald had expected to find his sister alone and was a little disappointed to see the reverend mr sandford there cosily taking tea in the pleasant south room where the morning glories were trained across the windows and the early june roses were looking in oh burton how glad i am to see you and how well you are looking hannah cried as she went forward to meet her brother in whom she saw a change as if he had suddenly grown young and he did feel younger and happier than he had in years and as soon as mr sandford took his leave which he did immediately after tea burton plunged at once into the principal object of his visit i have come he said to open the doors and windows of that ghostly room and let in the light and air of heaven gray has told me everything and i feel like a new man even the 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 thing father did does not seem to me quite as it did would you mind telling me again the particulars of the quarrel how it commenced i mean nothing more he had risen as he was talking and going into the bedroom threw back the heavy curtains and opening the windows and blinds sat down in his father's chair while hannah stood beside him and told him how both men had drank until their reason was clouded and how the peddler had called her father a cheat and a liar and struck him first and how but here her brother stopped her and said that will do i am satisfied that what father did was done in self-defence and so the world would have said and acquitted him too i am sure i almost wish you had told at the time we should have lived it down though i might never have married geraldine and never have had gray 
no sister you did right and having kept it so long we must keep it still no use to unearth it now though i would give half my life and every dollar i own yes i'd give everything except my boy gray to know it had never been there and he pointed to the corner of the room where the bed was still standing and under which was the hidden grave bessie is willing we should tell and if i thought we ought i should be willing too hannah said but her brother shook his head it can do no good to any one so let the poor man rest in peace you have found his heirs and restitution can be made the money is safe in the bank and now i must go for geraldine is waiting for me burton said adding as he stood a moment by the door i feel twenty years younger than i did and you hannah why you look thirty years younger and are really a handsome woman for your age by the way shall you live here or with gray i don't know yet where i shall live hannah replied and her cheeks were scarlet as she said good-bye and watched him as he drove away nineteen joel rogers monument it was a very merry party which met next day at the farmhouse and mr gerald was the merriest of them all though he could not understand exactly why he was so light-hearted and glad the fact that joel rogers died by his father's hand remained the same but it did not now affect him as it once had done bessie seemed to have taken all the shame and pain away he was very fond of her always calling her daughter when he addressed her and when after dinner was over she came and sat at his side and laying her hand on his said to him father there is something i very much wish to do and i want your consent he answered unhesitatingly you shall have it no matter what you ask thanks bessie said with a triumphant look at gray who was standing near i thought you would not oppose me even if gray did you see i have so much money that it burns my fingers and i think i must have lived in america long enough to have caught your fever for change or else the smell of plaster and paint at stoneley awakened in me a desire for more for what i wish to do is to tear down this old house and build another one where we can spend our summers this house though very nice and comfortable is falling to pieces and will tumble down in some high wind the plastering is off in two of the rooms upstairs and part of the roof has fallen in over the bedroom and woodshed aunt hannah says the snow was suffered to lie there last winter while she was with us in wales so you see we must do something and i have the plan of such a pretty place which i want to call stoneleigh cottage after my old home your room and aunt hannah's are to be the pleasantest of all with a bow window and a fireplace in both and there is to be a fireplace in the hall which is to be finished in oak with a wide staircase and a tall clock on the landing and the windows are to have little coloured panes of glass at the top and the floors are to be inlaid and waxed with rugs of matting instead of carpets as we want everything cool for summer and we will have a big piazza where we can have tea or breakfast or even a dance if we like won't that be nice bessie had talked very rapidly with the feeling that she did not have the sympathy of her hearers she had conceived the idea of pulling down the old house and building a new one while she was in wales alleging to herself as one reason that both hannah and gray would enjoy themselves better under a roof which did not cover a grave while the other reason was not then quite clear enough in her own mind to be put into words but she had said nothing to any one until the morning of the day when she broached the subject to his father together with gray she had gone over the old house which from having been shut up so long seemed more dilapidated than ever 
but gray opposed her plan and hannah opposed it while mr gerald grew hot and cold by turns as he thought what might possibly be brought to light if the house were removed and any excavations made as there might be as if divining what was in his mind bessie continued i do not mean to have the new house just where this one stands but farther to the right we can fill up the cellar with the debris and have loads of earth brought in and make a kind of plateau with its terrace all around it we can make that plateau so lovely with shrubs and flowers and grass i once saw one like what i have in mind at a country place in england and in one corner under a willow tree was a little grave the only son of the house had been buried there and i thought it so lovely to have a monument of flowers and trees and singing birds looking into the blue eyes fixed so earnestly upon him mr gerald read what she meant and said to her you shall do as you like if hannah doesn't object hannah too began to get a glimpse of the truth and so did gray and when she said you are all willing it is settled they answered yes and gray went with her to choose the site for the new house which in her impetuosity she declared should be commenced at once saying she would remain in allington during the summer and superintend it herself it was bessie who chose the site to the right of the old building and near a great flat rock which she said she meant to have in a corner of the yard as it would be such a nice playhouse for children yes a very nice playhouse for children gray said winding his arms around her and kissing her blushing cheek and then they sat down upon the rock and talked of and planned the house and bessie told him all that was in her mind in regard to the plateau which she meant to make as beautiful as a garden so that no one would ever dream it held a grave i ought to do something for him she said and as my grandmother was fond of flowers and grass and singing birds so i am sure was he and he shall have them in abundance and maybe he will know that his sister's granddaughter is doing it for him and be glad in the light of this new idea mr gerald hannah and gray entered heart and soul into bessie's project and within a week a plan for the cottage had been drawn and a contract made with the builders who were to commence work at once neither hannah nor bessie were present when the walls of the main building went crashing down into the cellar they were to fill but when it came to the bedroom and woodshed hannah bessie gray and his father sat under a tree at a little distance watching nervously while the men took down timber after timber until the spot was clear and the ground as smooth as it usually is under a floor where there is no cellar oh bessie said with a sigh of relief as she turned to gray who was sitting next to her but her eye went past him to hannah who with her hands clasped tightly together sat as rigid as a block of marble gazing so intently at the spot which held so much horror for her that she did not at first know when bessie stole softly to her side but when the young girl wound her arm around her neck and kissing her softly said they have let him into the light and i am so glad it does not seem now like a hidden grave the tension on her nerves gave way and she burst into a paroxysm of tears the very last she ever shed over that hidden grave for like bessie she felt better now that the sunlight was falling upon it and by and by when everything was accomplished and bessie had carried out her idea she felt that the dead man's monument would be worthy of a far nobler personage than he who slept beneath it yielding to bessie's earnest solicitations gray decided to remain with her in allington during the summer and superintend in person the work which owing to good management and the great number of men employed went on so rapidly that by the last of october everything was done except the furnishing which was to be put off until spring for before the autumn came it was known that hannah would never occupy the house save as she went there a visitor the words spoken to her many years before by the rev charles sanford had been repeated and this time her answer had been 
yes charlie if you do not think it too ridiculous for people as old as we are to marry why i am almost sixty but just as dear and young to me as if you were sixteen was the reply of the reverend charles who was quite as much in love as he had been nearly forty years before when he asked hannah gerald to be his wife of course after it was settled he went straight to martha's grave and stayed there all the afternoon and did a little gardening around it and trained the rose-bush around the headstone and picking a half-open blossom put it in his buttonhole and silently apostrophized the dead woman at his feet telling her that though he was about to bring a new mistress to the home where she had reigned supreme he should not forget her and should so far as was consistent see that all her ideas were carried out especially as far as his health was concerned then he walked thoughtfully away whispering to himself martha was a very good and excellent woman but i loved hanny first and god forgive me if it is wrong to say it i think i love her the best then he went and told miss macpherson who called him and hannah fools to think of marrying at their time of life but said she was satisfied if they were then he told lucy gray who congratulated him warmly and was sure he would be happy then he told bessie who cried at first because her aunt hannah was not to live with her and then entered heart and soul into the affair and became as much interested in the wedding and the wedding outfit as if the bride-elect had been a young girl in her teens instead of an elderly woman in her fifties then he told his senior warden who having himself been married three times had nothing to say but hurried home with the news which was all over allington by the next day and was received differently according to the different natures of the receivers some were very glad and predicted that the rector would be far happier with hannah than he had been with martha while others wondered what that worthy woman would say if she knew that another was to fill her place and all calculated the ages of the respective parties making him out younger than he was and her a great deal older but neither he nor she ever knew what was said and they would not have cared if they had for both were supremely happy and thankful for the peace and blessedness which had crowned their later life fifty and even sixty is not so very old at least to those who have reached it and hannah neither looked nor felt old when in her becoming travelling dress of seal brown she stood up in the parlours of her brother's house on beacon street and was made mrs charles sanford this was early in february and six weeks before on christmas eve there had come to that same house on beacon street a little black-eyed black-haired boy as unlike either bessie or gray as a baby well could be he is not like any one i have ever seen of your family the old nurse said when she brought the sturdy fellow to bessie who the moment she looked at him exclaimed why gray he is exactly like neil his eyes his hair his expression and neil will be so glad we must have his picture taken at once and sent to neil with a lock of his hair gray thought it doubtful if neil would be quite as enthusiastic over bessie's baby as she seemed to think but when a few hours later she drew his face down to hers and whispered to him we will call baby neil macpherson won't we he fondly kissed the little mother and answered hesitatingly yes darling we will call our baby neil macpherson if you like and so with a birth a christening and a wedding the winter passed rapidly at number blank beacon street and by the first of may bessie was again in allington armed and equipped for settling stonelea cottage and giving the finishing touches to the plateau which with the advance of summer began to show marks of great beauty and to attract general attention 
bessie's idea of raising it two feet above the level of the ground had been carried out and the sods which had been placed upon it and the terrace around it in the autumn were fresh and green as velvet in the early spring while of the roses and lilies and flowering shrubs which had been planted with so much care not one had died and many of them blossomed as freely as plants of older growth the plateau was bessie's especial pride and care particularly that corner of it over which the bedroom once stood here she had an immense bed of pansies heart-shaped and perfect in outline and in the centre a cross where only white daisies were growing grandmother liked pansies and daisies the best and i thought perhaps he did too and then mother's name was daisy you know she said to hannah who rightly guessed that this bank of flowers was bessie's in memoriam not only to her uncle but to her mother as well and very beautiful the heart-shaped bed of human-faced pansies with the daisy cross in the centre looked all the summer long and many admired and commented upon it but only five persons ever knew that the white cross marked a grave End of chapter seventeen through nineteen